0: Welcome to The BB Podcast, episode one. I'm Lizzie Watson, and I'll be taking you through this month's episode as we discuss the brands, the people, and the products that make Britain great. I had the pleasure of interviewing the founder and CEO of Beyond Bespoke, Lucy Haig. She talked me through her young life, motherhood, and how she's bringing up her three girls, how she discovered her entrepreneurial spirit, and how that led her to build a brand dedicated to the best of Britishness. I asked Lucy what it was that inspired her to create Beyond Bespoke and to tell us a little bit more about the company's early days and where it's headed.
1: Beyond Bespoke was um, founded off the back of my um, doing some freelance marketing and branding work for some small to medium-sized businesses when I sold the Baytree food company. and through this, I realised that there was this wealth of talent and craft, craftsmanship that I felt quite passionate about. Um, and coincidentally, all the all of the companies that I started working with were British. Um, and that common theme, um, or USP, whatever you want to call it. Um, didn't go away, and I I sat down um, with a, a friend who I who was partly my mentor at that point, uh, Mark Goddard Watts, who very successfully um, developed and sold Screwfix, and now has done the same, tool Station. Just asked him what he what his thoughts were on creating something not dissimilar to the Rob report in, in the US. Um and he really liked the idea and we started looking at all of the companies that are British um or were British and are British um and actually realised ourselves that a lot of companies that we hadn't naturally assumed were British were and actually wouldn't it be great to have a platform to talk about all these amazing people and businesses um, and that's really where Beyond Bespoke came from. Um, it was that that made me realise there was a, a need for a platform to to tell all these amazing stories and um, I was always interested in having an e-commerce element to the business but um, after having Years and years of huge warehousing full of chutney. <laughs> I didn't want to be sitting on lots of stock again, because um, that was always a, a challenging time when you sort of looked at pallets and pallets of chutney and marmalade in front of you and thought, "Are we really going to sell all of that?" But you had to build the stock, and and that was always always, always troubled us slightly. Um, like any retailer, they, you know, you make that commitment, and then you have to actually sell it. Um, I'm actually in this day and world with with technology. We realised that there was an opportunity to create an online platform where we could sell product in time, um, but we didn't need to hold the stock. And that's sort of the smart technology that we have now. Um,
0: and marketing and sales is where your background is. Is what was it that inspired you to take that direction?
1: Um, I think when I was at Harrods, so I went to Harrods on their retail training scheme. Um, I suppose I am naturally quite an ambitious person um, and did really well there and was given the opportunity to to do well Um, and I did um, on a day release I did my BTEC in business um, and finance and did really well on that course and found myself with peers who um, had all been to university, so I was considerably younger, Mm -hmm. Um, but because I had the practical experience and the practical experience made the the learning part, the the academic side, much more relevant um, to my day-to-day, work um it all started falling into place and the area that I really enjoyed was actually the selling part actually selling face to face on the shop floor yeah um I did various stints in buying and did I really enjoyed selecting products and but that was partly off the back of understanding what customers want yes or wanted um and I think my um Man- the management in Harris at that point uh, were very it was very career orientated and there was a proper path for people to follow which was amazing um, and we were constantly challenged and being trained and it was identified that my doing um, my institute of marketing would be a great idea, and actually the store sponsored that. Um, I won the Lord Sainsbury scholarship when I was there, which allowed me to travel, and I worked um, in Munich um, and various other um, towns and cities in Germany, um, Frankfurt, Munich, um, and so forth, and and worked within the food. Area So mainly food halls, because um, I decided that was where my heart was. Um, and um, as a result of that, I then went on to do the my institute of marketing, um, which was, again, you know, as I say, fully sponsored. So it was a great, it was a great opportunity. Um, sadly, they don't have that opportunity there anymore. And really, the, I think it's invaluable that sort of that apprentice, apprenticeship Style training was so so good for me. It made me realise what I was good at and what I enjoyed, um, and the marketing just came as a result of that. So it was quite a natural um, thing. And and then when I went on to start the Bay Tree, yeah, um, my my creating that brand was all the foundation of of that marketing experience and branding experience that I'd had at Harris of doing my own label sort of gave me the foundation for what I achieved with Batry. So
0: and what it was do you think? A natural thing. Um the Batry company was obviously hugely successful. What do you think it was that made Ooh. that as successful <laughs> as it was? Is it I right think
1: place right I time? yeah, I think there was an element we identified so Emma and I identified that I was uh, my interest lay in the marketing and selling of the product, and her interest lay in the product development and, and manufacturing of the product. Her background was chef, being a chef, and mine was obviously retail and marketing. So it was good combination. Um, at that point, um, in the late nineties, you know, it was it was early doors for the whole food culture that we now know and are so proud of in the UK. You know, we'd. To that, up to that point, it was pretty much you know Delia Smith, Mary Berry, who were great, and both you know sort of admired hugely, uh, Rick Stein. But it was it was quite limited. Um, Jamie Oliver was relatively new. Um, you know it was really early doors for those for those of celebrity chefs, and the interest in food was just starting to to be realized on the shelves of of supermarkets and it was it was exciting time and I think we realized you know we were in our early 20s and realized that you know if we didn't take that risk then we'd probably never do it we didn't have any huge commitments we didn't have families or homes Um, and we were able to this sort of big borrow and steal um, and, you know, pour our life savings into a business and, and not really have any sleepless nights about it. Um, and with lots and lots of energy. Um, and and I think uh, all of that created something quite special. And there was nobody else in the market at that point other than Trackleman's who were making a quality product uh, that you'd be proud of on the shelf and was interesting and was as good as you could make at home. so Success. Yeah. No, it yeah. Just, it just. I think. I think we. We understood that the product had to be great. We understood that the retailers had to make a margin, because we'd been. I've been on the other side of the of the counter. Yeah. And um, I understood, We understood it needed to look great. So it needed to be strong in its presentation. I. Can't tell you the number of miles and hours that I drove and spent going to see client customers. I know you know my um, my specialist subject um, on Mastermind would be delis and farm shops of the UK because I think I know most of them and, and continue to have an interest um, I'm very proud to say that yes I have been to X because there's a deli there and if you go across the bridge etc I can exp- I can describe to you exactly where most delis and farm shops are um, and people always look at me slightly shocked but or stunned but um, so I, I try I, I literally drove. We had a bright green van that had been painted fluorescent green. I think we bought it for several hundred pounds, and I literally goodness knows how many miles it did in the end i slept in that van i've done all sorts of things going to different shows and events and we just we controlled our own distribution we didn't put it out to a a third party we 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 sold made and sold the product and and supplied it directly to every individual deli and farm shop and food hall in the country Mm -hmm. and we knew exactly where it was being sold so we controlled the brand and i think that was part of a success we could we could tell you where to get it yes. um, and and uh, um, and we're very conscious that getting those initial listings in fortnum mason and harvey nichols were a huge key to the success of that brand because we're all slightly sheep-like in our way and you know other other good quality delis and farm shops and butchers Followed and yes. um, once they saw that we were stocked in those stores So, um, but yeah, it was hard work and determination. I think, it's and a personal investment. Yes.
0: <laughs> are there any skills that you've discovered along the way that you are surprisingly good at?
1: Sometimes I wonder what yeah. I am good at. <laughs> uh, um, I think having a bit bus- your own business. It seems very glamorous on the surface of it. You have to be hugely tenacious, Mm. um, and you can't just give in. However much at times where you're on the brink of tears, or someone's let you down, or something isn't working out, having to dig quite deep at times, um, I think that takes a certain type of person. And I think most entrepreneurs would agree with that, not giving in. And anything you've discovered you're not very good at? <laughs> so you definitely oh, not do it again. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm a particularly good manager of people. Um, I enjoy people, but I don't think I'm a particularly good manager. Um, I'm probably a good project manager. Yes. I'm not necessarily a good people manager. And sadly, you know, we all have personal issues and challenges that we bring to work with us because we're only human and when you're trying to run a business that can sometimes feel like it gets in the way and I feel sometimes that I'm not insensitive to that but but um I have to put it on the back burner sometimes which I prefer not to if that makes sense so I'd I'd like to be sort of... I try. I, I probably sometimes I'm too um, sympathetic to my own detriment because it makes my life more complicated. I don't think I'm hard-nosed enough when it comes to people because I'm quite sensitive to their needs. Mm. But I'm not necessarily the right person to manage them. And I've always dreaded numbers. I find it tedious and I've had to make myself... Understand a balance sheet oh. and a cash flow and all of those all the management accounting but I find it really tedious if I'm honest and, um, and other people are much better at it than I am <laughs> well actually I think everybody is
0: oh, <laughs> I'm definitely not very good at that <laughs> um, what about the young Lucy what about her dreams and aspirations and how they match today's when you were mm. Growing up, but someone someone said to me recently, "Where does your drive
1: come from?" Um, this is somebody who'd had a very very privileged education, and somebody who'd probably actually they hadn't run their own business um, from scratch. So, and actually, my answer to that was that um, I think I I had a, a very loving family life and still do i very lucky very close to my mother and brother we had like most families our challenges and things weren't as straightforward as maybe they seemed on the surface um, I remember somebody asking me once whether my father was dead at school because he gosh they'd never seen him but actually he just had been brought up in a, a family that's where children were seen and not heard and right. he treated us in exactly the same way so um, So my mother was very, very active um, in our lives and took place, took that place really. Um, And I think I realized when I was in my early, or my late teens, early twenties, that the benefit of a good education, what, what the benefits can bring of a good education and I I realised this when I went to sixth form where I was, at my, all of my peers had gone to a very nice independent girls school and I was the only one of, in that friendship group who was sort of just naturally drawn to one another um, who hadn't and I'd gone to a... O- an OK comprehensive school, which wasn't great. I left without getting a GCSE or O levels, then in maths because I hadn't enjoyed maths at all, um, and I didn't realise my full potential. Mm. and And I think I worked really hard, and I was one of those children who would have. Worked hard regardless of where she was at school, and I'm not saying it. It wasn't an inner city, hard nosed school, and we had a reasonably modest middle class home life. Um, we weren't in any way indulged, but we. I did go to ballet lessons, and I did go to tap dancing classes. Yes. So, you know, I wasn't in any way sort of feeling sorry for myself, but I realised the confidence that which I, I sort of had but I didn't I couldn't communicate in the same way as my peers when I was at sixth form and I realized it was just down to ed- education actually really? and they'd had a great education and I realized my potential started realizing my full potential at sixth form and I got a B in O level maths in a year so I realized I could do that and I got an A in math English and I, you know, so I got my. I had to do some retakes and got those out of the way. And it was actually my tutor at sixth form. And I was planning to go to do my A levels and carry on, go to university. And I'd been, I would have been the first person, my mother's side of the family to go to university. Um, And my tutor said to me, you know. Why do you want to go to university if you considered any other options? Because sometimes it's a healthier thing to do. And, And it was him who told me about the course at Harrods, his sister, had been on it. And he said, I think maybe you should look at it. And that was the first time I'd had some proper advice. You know, at school we were asked whether we wanted to work in a local bank or be a secretary. And I didn't want to do either of those. So when we had to organise our work experience at school, I was the one who organised to work at Ballet Rombe for two weeks because my dance teacher had a connection there. Fantastic. And I packed myself off and went to stay with my uncle who didn't even show me where the underground was but i worked it out (laughs) and i got myself across london every morning and did a full day's work at ballet rombert for two weeks i wasn't going to do my work experience in the local bank so there was always this drive there was always a a desire to explore and 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 do well Mm -hmm. but i it wasn't handed on a plate um, and I think that was a good thing I yeah. think I had to work it out for myself and when I applied to go to Harrods my parents didn't know that I'd put an application in even and it wasn't because they weren't interested I just wanted to not bother them so I did it, just did it. and I don't know whether that was the right thing I I think it was yeah. um, I, uh, but I do value I, I as I get old I, I bang on about it, not too much to my own children but you know that, that a good education is an opportunity and that's pretty much what you have as your armour. Yes. Moving on
0: yeah. lot in parallel with your personality. If you could write a, a brief letter then to your sixteen year old self, would it would it say anything more than what you've just elaborated
1: on? I don't think so. I think my children, I say to them now, you know, a sixteen year old and fourteen year old and a ten year old, but the sixteen year old, you know, the world is her oyster you know yeah. she I think communication is an amazing thing and actually she asked me recently what my opinion was on the internet and whether it was good or bad because mm. you hear of all these uh, or, hideous lines. things yes. going on and very challenging and we were talking about knife crime and she her theory is that it's provoke and inspire people inspired and driven a lot online Mm. um which is interesting from a 16 year old's perspective but um i think communication on a positive note you know the internet has made the world a smaller place and much more accessible Mm. and i hope that my children and others will explore that world and not just yeah it, just take it for granted and only stay within a certain parameter I think I want them to travel as long as they yeah. always come home
0: Yes, <laughs> or invite me there Yes, exactly <laughs> What sort of a, moving on from that what sort of a mum do you think you are what sort of mum would would your daughters say you are then because of your, your background and the things you've been through and how you put that through to them growing um, up
1: I think well I know they think I've got lots of energy um I think what I've realized as a parent that you know you're you are a product of your environment and my theory is and has always been obviously bringing up three girls especially you know lots of things worry you whether it's potentially them having eating disorders or being bullied or all of those things that you know lots and lots of parents are faced with and i think you you just need to be a good example Mm. and i don't mean not having fun i think yeah they see that we have lots of fun at home we've got a great social life and i think that's really good for them to see um and they enjoy that and they enjoy inviting people for dinner and their own friends now and people you know whether it's sleepover for the little one or actually my 16 year old said she's she was going to make her best friend supper her favourite supper for okay. a birthday because she didn't know what else to do and I think that's a really lovely thing really lovely. so being very sociable yes. and, um, and enjoying that family environment I think is um, they see that we do that um, and I think the energy thing I think it's a being a, a positive um, inspiration or role model to them in terms of whether it's fitness or mm. food or diet and diet, work ethic Yeah, um, I think they have only ever known a mum who works for herself and yeah. that brings benefits, it means that I can get to parent evenings or meetings when they're you know, sort of slightly earlier or during the day, or whether there's an important match on it means my working week is slightly more flexible, um, which brings benefits, but at the same time, it does bring pressures that being employed by somebody else doesn't bring, mm-hmm. um, and I think they see that as well. I think they, I, I imagine that one out of the three of them will end up being their own boss. Really? It's quite an interesting thing already. Really? Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. Um, Just whether it's a security thing or whether it's a a drive... Yes. ...or an appetite for seeing more. Yeah. Um, I don't don't know, but... um,
0: Yeah, so I think... I think that's... Yeah, that's that inspiring... Um, anything is possible, isn't it, when you watch Yeah, and
1: anything parents. is possible. Yeah. I think
0: they realise that or are realising that mm. more and more. And who inspires you the most in your life? Have you got a role model that... Well, it was... It, it, and I've always... Um, it was very fortunate.
1: My uncle, Derek, who my mother's brother, um, started off... Life as a a young gay man, Um, and he would now be late 80s, early 90s um, uh, if he was alive today. But he, you know, a young gay man in London at those times was quite a hard thing, and you kept it under wraps, you you didn't um, express, weren't allowed to express yourself. And he um, left school like my mother, Um, I think they were 14 or 15 didn't go on to further education their their family life didn't allow that and they needed to um, bring an income into mm. the family home um, and living in central London it was it was there were lots of different opportunities, and he actually started working at the V&A on the door. He was a doorman there, mm-hmm. um, but like I've said, you know, he realised then how important education was, and took himself off to night school, and actually um, ended up with a, a fine art degree. Um, ended up being a director of the v and on the board of Sotheby's and travelling the world and presented on various television shows um, Antiques Roadshow, all sorts of things and was a specialist in um, Asian art and um, I remember being very proud when he sadly did pass away very, far too early um, as a result of um, AIDS, sadly um, he... Uh, there was a, a, a large obituary in, um, I think it was The Telegraph, about him and his life, and I still yeah. got that yeah. cutting. And he achieved a huge amount and didn't have anywhere near the privileged background that I had, although mine was quite modest. and But he really did go for it. <laughs> yes. <absolutely. laughs> and made me realise that if you really want it, you can, you do, can it. do it. <clears throat> And, um, and sadly, his life was cut short because medicine hadn't developed. But um, as, as it has today, if he was alive, to, if if it was now, he wouldn't he wouldn't be dead. So it, you know, it's shocking. <laughs> yes. But you know, that's just life. And but he certainly made the most of his life. You know, he he did lots and lots of things and lived all over the world and and had lots of interesting experiences and travels. So yeah, he was definitely my inspiration
0: what do you think going back to Beyond Bespoke what do you think defines British craftsmanship and how important is it for Britain today
1: I think what's fundamentally what's interesting about British craftsmanship is that we're quite under the radar about how brilliant we are and there is such a huge skill set in this country and of craftsmanship of innovation artists whether they're musicians or painters or designers it it, it's endless Mm. fashion designers you know you look at my 10 year old asked me last week where elton john lived i said well he's you know he lives in the he he spends a lot of time in france but he's actually british and happened to listen to a radio program about him recently and fascinating life. Mm. You know, amazing, amazing. And again, you know, what an inspiration. And I think that under the radar quality of what we do and quietly confident in, in what we do and we're so respected is really exciting. And I, I, I truly mean that. You know, I think we are so respected globally partly the heritage that we have but when we look at the innovation and the and I suppose that's a result of the inspiration that we have in this country
0: Mm. we just don't shout about it enough what what's next for for Beyond Bespoke then how's where's the it's so exciting right I think
1: at the moment it's really exciting you know the realization of our e-commerce platform you know it's, it's early days for us um, yes. every time we have a sale it's an exciting moment for the team which is fantastic and um, working with the brands and developing those small acorns mm-hmm. um, we we've got something quite special I think now we've, we've got the infrastructure and it's just yes. building on that it's building on traffic and driving people to increase the awareness and 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 developing our offering is essentially what we need to do um, and what we are doing on a daily daily basis and so that and that's That's we want to be. Someone said to me recently, "Oh, you're going to be next, the next Amazon for all things British." And I said, "Well, even if we can just have a small percentage of that, yes, yes. it'd be great, and it'd be great for British brands and companies, and especially the small to medium-sized companies." And we love, very proud of all the big brands, but the the ones that aren't known Mm. is the really interesting part for our for our client base. Yeah.
0: And then we're, we're obviously asking, we are asking the question as Beyond Bespoke, um, so what does Britishness mean to you, that word, Britishness? What does Britishness mean? <laughs> um,
1: I, I am not the most patriotic person I know, but I am patriotic, and I'm very proud of fundamentally what this country stands for. And there were some very key people in our history who have made that possible. And I know he's had lots of coverage recently, but Winston Churchill certainly mm. made that possible. And we live in a world where our world would have been very different should he not have been such a brave man. So Britishness to me means quality. Mm. It means... Um, standing tall and and sticking to your um, sense of doing the right thing and how can I describe it it's it's um, being honourable as well and I think the products that a lot of our brands produce and the craftsmanship is honorable and it is what it says on the tin and it's made with passion and it's made with love and it's made it's made with pride and and I think you know the the companies that we write about are amazing stories and there's some really incredible people behind them and that's it's about the people and it's about the quality and that's what Britishness stands for for me. Great.
0: Um, what's your daily routine? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I think I think the office's probably be bored with this one. But I am very proud, although it's a bit of a struggle this morning with this grey weather. But um, I I get up at six thirty every day. I do half an hour workout. Um, pretty much every day. I wouldn't say that's written in stone but it's if I can I do it and that makes me I do it when I have the time or I don't have to be on an early train or something yes um and I my youngest daughter get my youngest daughter to school uh, yes and luckily she can start um she can be in eight so that works quite well and I'm usually in the office Latest by sort of twenty past eight. If I'm if I'm not, it means I'm in London or off site for another meeting. Yep. Um, and then it's really head heads down with the team. I mean, we, we're so we are a very small team, and therefore we have constant objectives on a weekly, daily basis. And my role is very much working with the brands and getting on the phone and. Um, or email with those brands visiting them mm. um, I want to do more of that in the coming months going out to see people and seeing how things are made and we're starting to do a lot more film so that's and that's really exciting yes. and I think that, yeah. and then in the evening I always try and spend time um, my two older daughters are away at school so uh, my youngest daughter Bethany I um, Always, always make sure that we eat together as often as we can. Um, Routine-dependent, week-dependent. And always read or listen to her reading Mm -hmm. at night. And I think that's hugely important. I forgot to mention the the singing and the speech and drama practice, which goes on every morning before we leave school. (laughs) It's quite chaotic, but it works. And she's... She enjoys it really. I think, um, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> but she yeah, and and she's really good at it. So that's great, and that's something. And like any busy family, you know, we have things like hockey practice to go to in the evenings, weekends, mm. and various school matches, and visiting the other children, and whether they're home or away or busy, busy. So and as I said, we have you know we have quite an active social life. My husband and I, and we. Um, we enjoy our friends and family so very much so never
0: a dull moment no. so always trying to cram it all cram in, it all in. <laughs> um so then room desk or car what to clean first <laughs> um i am quite a tidy person
1: so i'm always tidy You're at I'm home sorry. and my child, if you ask my children is Mummy tidy they'd say she's unnecessarily tidy it's not oh, true really? It's not true I just like a tidy house um, Actually so my terrible. car was disgusting until the weekend And it had a really good deep clean at the weekend <laughs> um, But it is very muddy We live in the country And it was particularly muddy um, So that's an excuse for that And I can't work with an untidy desk
0: No So I have to have, have a tidy to. desk So yeah, yeah. All of all well, them All of them <laughs> Um, and then, do you have a favourite word that you love? That's quite a tricky one, isn't it? That would say Britishness. Britishness. It's such a good word, though. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then, I did say recently that I want to improve my vocabulary by learning yes. five new words a day. Yes.
0: I haven't started good, no. yet. But there I need to so put many. that on my to do list. Make some it. great words. And then. A favorite, um, favorite sound, or you know, is there things that you listen to? Um, An obvious
1: one. I love listening to my children singing. They all sing, and I love, love listening to them. Um, I love music. So, but I have a very eclectic taste in music. So, I try and you know get down with the kids. Yeah, (laughs) they'll hate me for (laughs) saying that. But I do enjoy it. I enjoy all the later, a lot of the latest. Music, but I actually was delighted to explore it or realize that my fourteen-year-old daughter has an equally eclectic taste. So she really? all you know, all sorts of Frank Sinatra through to oh, Elton John, all sorts of people on her playlist, which is great. That's and that's great, yeah. again, it's down to technology and brilliantness of Spotify or whoever she uses, Deezer or Spotify, and you know. Realising or exploring that music mm. world rather than just listening, as as I'm sure you did, here's the top to forty yeah. on a Sunday night. Yeah, recording, it onto, <laughs> recording it onto tapes and being listened to it over and over yes. again for the for the forthcoming week. Um, they don't have that, and and that's actually a really good thing, I mm. think, because it really broadens their their understanding and and appreciation of music. Mm and actually my husband really loves it because they play lots of music that he likes <laughs> so you know, it's, and I'm very eclectic so I think favourite sound I do actually love having the radio on in the background I've always got the radio on at home in which, which and the, wireless, the wireless, the as wireless, as my father would have that called lovely. it. Um, I listen to Radio Two in the morning because mm. it's upbeat yes. and gets me moving. I wake up Chris to that Evans. Chris Evans yeah. in the morning yeah. or Sarah Cox or whatever, yes. but I think they're equally good, and I think they've both matured on the radio. Mm. at the same rate yeah, as absolutely. we're maturing, which yes, <laughs> is great. But I do listen to Radio 4, and I do love a bit of Women's Hour. Oh, yes. And, um, and I was brought up in a household that listened to The Archers, and mm. my children still dance around the room to The Archers music. <laughs> why not? So, why not? Because <laughs> they've always done it with their granny. Um, oh, that's so lovely. So that's quite, quite sweet. Um, so, yeah.
0: And then if, uh, if you could have any other profession other than the one you have now what would that be? Um, Well I always
1: thought I was going to work in dance that's what I wanted to do a degree in dance and English so um, at one point I wanted to be a librarian then I wanted to be an archaeologist and then I wanted to work in dance so quite varied Yes Um, I think actually I'd end up being a yoga or pilates teacher really if i had to change career now that's yeah. probably what i'd do wow because i love movement yes and the, I, I suppose it's the only bit of my job i don't enjoy sitting at my desk i don't enjoy sitting behind your desk so i walk around a lot yeah
0: <laughs> and
1: disappear off for a walk to yeah, have thanks or a phone call yeah
0: and then the last question if um if heaven exists what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the holy gates? Well, I think, it, I personally think it does exist, and I'm
1: realising that a bit more as, uh, as I get through, whisk through the ages, um, through the years. Um, I think he would say, I, well, I hope he would say, well done for making the most of the opportunity. That's what I hope he'd say, because life is for living.
0: So, what is Beyond Bespoke anyway? From fashion and beauty to wellness and gifting, discover British brands, big and small, all available to purchase online from one rather brilliant basket. Discover the undiscovered, be inspired by the latest trends and BB exclusives, and we'll update you on British brand news and exciting offers. www.yourself, over to beyondbespoke.com. It's as simple as that.